Welcome to the Back to Back Films podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I'm Jacob. And with us this week is special guest, Nate Sautel. How you doing, hey guys? Nate? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me on the pod. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Um, <laughs> Nate is a college friend of ours, filmmaking buddy, um, and film lover overall. Yeah. Filmmaker, too. Yeah. Filmmaker. Yeah. Filmmaker. All yeah. of those things apply to me. So, usually... The lover part is is the weird part, you know? Yeah. It's hard with the disc cases. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you do it with VOD. How do you... Um, yeah, there's like a special USB plugin. <laughs> See, VR is already got there. <laughs> VR is already got there, in. man. It's okay. Um, so usually I have questions for the guests, um, but we were kind of caught off guard with this recording. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you questions off the top of my head of the ones that I remember. Um, so yeah, Nate, do you want to just like, you know, kind of give a little rundown about yourself? Yeah, and, you know your interest in film and what movies you like and what turns you sure. on. Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> Besides, uh, I don't know if I can answer that. Byron. Movie loving. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Seattle, and I think my first venture into filmmaking was uh, at my high school. There was a pretty good video program there. Nice. Um, yeah, so I learned a lot of like basic film language through that program. Um, and then went to Western where I met all of you guys and, um, volunteered through KVIK, rest in peace. Uh, yeah, but, uh, just learned a lot from peers and mentors. Um, and then, uh, I majored in, from Fairhaven. Keith, you did Fairhaven too, right? Yeah, I did Fairhaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, made a degree about um, film studies, film production, and visual culture, and then for my senior project um, I worked with Michael Barone and Madison Neos and Connor O'Keefe and made a feature length film with them nice. for a budget of like a thousand dollars and now I'm living in Seattle and doing freelance jobs um, yeah, trying to start ACing more and more, but Right now, I've just been getting a lot of PA jobs. Right. So, uh, like, what is your, like, eventual goal with filmmaking? Um, I'd like to become a, like, writer-director or a director of photography. Nice. Which one do you prefer? Um, I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of experience directing so far, but it was a lot of fun and a lot of experience doing that feature. Um, Yeah, and I really liked it, so I could see myself doing it more. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So what is your favorite movie? And if you don't have a favorite movie, what's your favorite genre? Uh, honestly, I feel like neorealism is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I guess not like the old Italian ones, but films that are kind of in that genre. So I guess it's good that we're talking about it. Um, but I think um, one that always comes to mind is Taste of Cherry by Abbas Kiarostami. Um, Yeah, I think that that movie is something that I can just always return to and look at in a different way. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice, like, that movie's pretty different than everything that we've talked about or our interest in general, I think. So that's pretty nice to have that perspective on. And you're actually, I think, the first person to actually say a favorite movie. 
the first yeah. guest. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other guests have kind of like had to think about it because, it, you know, yeah. like everybody's yeah. like, oh, there's so many good movies. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I feel like th that one is the one that always comes to mind for me. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. That's cool. Mm. Um, and then if anyone gives a shit, I think, I don't know if Byron or Jacob have said this, but I think I'm the only other person who said a favorite film. Apocalypse Now. Which is Apocalypse Now. I mean, mm. it's. Well, tough. you said a top three. It's tough. My top three. It, it's they're so tough, you know. Antichrist, yeah. Neon Demon, and Only God Forgives. Right. And they, then, they, they, they've depending on my mood, they switch. Right. And then Jacob, I honestly can't remember. Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Hey, I watched the yeah, Point and True. Point Swayze. Oh, oh, how was that? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Well, let's. Let, I mean, like, for like seriously though, like, do you have one that's favorite? Me? Yeah. Uh, I used to tell I used to tell people it was Primer for a long time, and I before that it was The Prestige. Okay. And then I think after that I was just like, oh, I think for a brief period it was Enter the Void, but now I'm just like, whatever. Well, you know, know, like ironically, it's so hard to like pick one. Ironically, you know, The Prestige and and Primer all begin with a P and. You know what's in Enter the Void is a big penis, and that also starts yeah. with a P. So I'm kind of getting this thoughts. like penis thing. Yeah, and then another one is Ghost, and there's that clay oh, scene. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Very phallic. phallic clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phallic. Maybe phallic yeah. movies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or poop movies. Oh, and God. you like perfume, which also starts with a P. So there's oh, definitely yeah, a thing really here. Yeah. So Nicky I'm just saying, Jakey and his penis. <laughs> there is definitely some Freudian thing going on. So it seems like your like movies you like, I and movies this, with peas. Well, that, <laughs> but in a more serious note, like you seem like a like the movies that you said, the three movies that uh, that you said are like editors, like wet dream movies, essentially. Totally are, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. kind of interesting to think, you know, because you work because that's in what editing. I do. Yeah, and that was before I even started as an editor. But and I, when I when I became an editor, I was like, oh yeah, there's no best movie <laughs> after that. Yeah, and you like you like a lot of Pixar films. Um, well, only assholes don't. So, well, no, I mean, I mean, they're they're good, <laughs> they're good. But I know that you. I think you hold like a. You, I do. They you hold, hold a special place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like Toy Story is right next to my. Uh, Right next to the P in my heart. What about uh, Pixar? Cars? It's Pixar, cars so. <laughs> yeah, with the P. <laughs> I just avoided Cars 2. Uh, cool. Um, so Nate helped pick uh, this week's topic, which is Italian neorealism and its effect on American cinema. Um, our first film is Bicycle Thieves, released in 1948. Um, in post-war Italy, a working-class man's bicycle is stolen. He and his son set out to find it. Bicycle Thieves was directed by Vittorio De Sica. Shot by... Oh, dude. So I was just thinking about this when we were watching Bicycle Thieves. And it's funny that we watch this because in the movie, they do that Italian thing where they do the, like, yeah. emoting and the fucking, yeah. like... Yeah. So... Well, I don't remember which movie we watched, but like we realized that if you say it in the Italian way, yeah, that it that actually was, like um, the Tarantino, the Hateful Eight. Was it Hateful Eight? Yeah, I thought we watched a different Italian like movie because well, they like do that when he's like Dominic De Coco, and he like oh, they like yeah. do the hand. Oh, thing. that's a yeah, Glorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Glorious Bastards. No, but we watched a movie that like. 
that was an Italian yeah, film. Yeah, and because you were saying the names, and then, then you guys had me say them. Yeah. And I did them in the accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bicycle Thieves was directed by Vittorio De Sica, shot by Carlo Montiori, and edited by Araldo De Roma. It stars Lamberto Maggiorioni, Maggiorioni, Enzo Steola, and Leon, Leonella Carell. Our second film is Ballast, released in 2008. Uh, drama set in the Mississippi Delta, where one man's suicide affects three people's lives. Ballast was written, directed, and edited by Lance Hammer. It was shot by Lowell Crawley and stars Michael J. Smith, Jim Myron uh, Ross, Tara Riggs, and Johnny McPhail. So, I feel like we should just start this off and talk about what the fuck Italian neorealism and neorealism is just kind of in general. Yeah. So, um, I think I was always confused. I don't know if you guys know this, but I was always confused about like why it's called neorealism as opposed to realism and where the phrase realism comes from. Do either of you know that? Well, I, I was going to talk about kind of realism versus neorealism because obviously that's like one of the first things you think about is like, well, why is it like neo, which neo refers to like new, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that it's after realism, like post. It's just like a, it's like a reinvention of it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because like post realism sort of implies like. Yeah, it's 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 like postmodernism, like it's a direct uh, it's not like a retaliation to modernism. It's like a direct answer or direct change yeah. from modernism, right? It's like making commentary on modernism. Right. right. <clears throat> but actually, realism itself is its sort of a misnomer. Um, realism and neorealism. Neorealism actually doesn't even really refer to realism because realism is a concept that tends towards a general uh, category of aesthetics and narrative devices Hmm. where so like realism refers to form whereas neorealism refers to content so like in terms of like american realism like faulkner and stuff from that era is kind of like considered like realist literature um there's like this attempt at creating reality and fiction and Mm. so in that sense if you want to compare it to form or to content the neorealism would be like actual like the bicycle thieves is fictional and clearly set up because it's a film but it's so ingrained in the location the lack of actors and the the situation that it feels real mm-hmm. in right. that sense, um, so they do kind of like mesh a little bit. But realism, generally, if you if you look if you talk about it in terms of literature, then it's like a form of of expression, I guess. If that makes sense, it's kind of confusing because I think neo neo realism is just kind of a bad name, or realism yeah. is a bad name, maybe for it Mm -hmm. um so like in terms of like italian neorealism um well i'll just start with this i'll just say 
So basically, beginning in the 1940s, cinematic realism became established as one of the primary aesthetic principles in film editing. The influence of Italian neorealism, which used fewer cuts to capture the integrity of stories of ordinary people and actual locations, was evident in other new wave cinemas and even in Hollywood. So basically, like, to some degree, early filmmaking was trying to capture, like, a reflection or, like, a, quote, realist like aesthetic i guess and neorealism yeah. was like we're gonna step outside the sets and we're gonna like like film everyday things everyday yeah. stories yeah. and we're gonna do it like on location like when we first started conceptualizing this my first thought was like dogma i think dogma hmm. 95 is like the closest modern concept to neorealism like everything on location use what you have there use like non-professional people and you only have like a certain like limitation to things mm -hmm. um so basically like neorealism was just like look we're tired of an italian neorealism was like we're tired of the government controlling cinema mm-hmm and having this weird glitzy cinema when we're all kind of just in despair. So let's make films that like reflect our despair essentially. Yeah. Um, also at that time, this was like right around world war two and before the war, it, Italy had a bunch of like fascist films pretty much that mm -hmm. focused on the state yep. and uh, how, how like the state of Italy is good for you and they'll take care for you. Yep. It's focusing a lot more on community. And then, yeah, I think that neorealism was just like a direct response to those films. Absolutely. And focusing a lot more on like personal necessities. And um, yeah, and I don't know. You can see in Bicycle Thieves that they just like uh, are blasphemous towards the church and yep. uh, the government and the city. Like everybody's out of a job. And yep. yeah. And yeah. like people. I mean, are pretty much just, like, scoffing at the police. Like, he's constantly trying to bring in police, and they're just like, well, fucking arrest mm -hmm. me. Fucking do it. You know, like, they just don't really care in that regard. And it's, like, more about the community of people, the local community of people, not the state, but, like, the, like, my neighbor is the guy who's going to have my back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, like, Italian thing. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> family, neighbors, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, towards the end of Bicycle Thieves, when they're, like, you know, he's trying to, like, confront the kid, and the whole, like, neighborhood is there to defend the kid, you know, that's, like, a very... Yeah. That's kind of what we're trying to get at um, yeah. with this. Mm -hmm. And also how much of a pushover the cop was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty much just like, well, you can't prove it, so you're screwed. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Italian neorealism was definitely a direct response to the fall of Mussolini like we're free but we're also realizing that we're screwed you know economically for like years they were screwed mm -hmm. um, right until they had their upswing which is why neorealism sort of died um, hmm. so neorealism lasted from about 1942 to 1952 um, this was due to the depressing nature of these films and Italians were kind of looking for an optimistic upswing by the end so it really <laughs> petered out pretty hard. Um, they started to look more towards the optimism of Hollywood. So they reacted again. And um, this was also the time when Italy was seeing an economic resurgence. So they reacted to that. So like 
why would we want to portray neo-realist ideas when we're seeing this positive upswing? So now it's now it's back to the the glitz and glam, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Right of life. Is that when uh, Fellini was pretty prominent? Yep, Fellini kind of Fellini and a couple others sort of took over from there and shifted out of neorealism into because like there was like a weird upswing. Italy had a weird. This is also the same time when um, Hercules became kind of a thing. You know, we talked about this really early on in the podcast (laughs) where this was literally like the fifties and sixties is when this like this epic and heroic saga filmmaking came in, but also right. you had like Fellini and others doing these, like, I mean, cause Fellini, you know, his, his most famous film was probably eight and a half, mm-hmm. you know, which has nothing to do with Hercules. So like, there's this weird, like <laughs> this weird parallel of filmmaking happening right around this time. Yeah. It was, sure. It's interesting about like late fifties, early sixties, Italian film is that from like this neo, neo, realistic uh, genre came this focus on like instead of the working class it became more focused on like the middle class mm-hmm. and with the middle class came more emotional stories stories that dealt yeah. with like um you know relationships and stuff that weren't quite the focus that the right. you know yeah it, it's not survival right right yeah, yeah. like in fellini you know, he focuses, you know, you look at eight and a half and it, the, the, the main character is like a film director, you know, yeah. like how many people are a film director in, in right. 1950s, early 1960s, you know, Italy, <laughs> like no mm-hmm. one, but, like six, but he, you know, he, had, <laughs> yeah, but, he, but that, you know, you relate to that character through his like, um, flashbacks and the stuff that you see in that movie. Um, Fellini was a little, definitely like one of the guys that kind of brought it out and kind of ended it but like i'm a huge like michelangelo antonini fan and yeah he had more I, of like that that his film love and sure was so big that it really kind of struck a huge wave and and transfer got got italian neorealism off that uh steered it away from mm-hmm. <laughs> from you know uh mm-hmm. being made all the time um but I, th- I think at the same time, I feel like um, you can definitely tell the influence of Italian neorealism on these directors. Definitely, like, yeah. Especially with Antonioni. Or Ant- is it, I always mess this up. Is it Antonini or Antonioni? I think, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of British people say Antonio, Antonio, I can't even say it that way. What's well, <laughs> Antonioni? Right hand in there. Antonioni. But I think Antonio. that, I think the Italian way is Antonini. Okay. But I could be wrong. What's his last name? Uh, Antonini, Michelangelo oh. Antonini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> <dumb Antonioni. question. laughs> uh, but, but I think I think a lot of British people say Antonioni. An- Antonioni, but I think yeah. it's Antonini. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, it's Antonioni. That's so weird. Okay. So yeah. Michelangelo Antonioni. Shit. Is Wikipedia British? <laughs> we yes. figured it out. <laughs> Goddamn. Confirmed. Um, <laughs> I could be totally wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think um, think that's exactly it. And of course, yeah, the the, the aesthetic of neorealism never really went away. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the the concepts of neorealism, I think, is what people just didn't like. Who wants to focus on the bad when you can have the good, right? Mm -hmm. So like 
neorealism didn't last. I mean, even by 52, it was already waning years before that. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And Bicycle Thieves came out in 48, and that was probably the peak, and then it pretty quickly fell away uh, right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have this quote here that says, Italian cinema revitalized film culture by one, depicting post-war social crises, and two, using a stark realistic style clearly different from the glossy entertainment formulas of Hollywood and other studio systems. And I think that, I mean, fuck, look at, like, Apocalypse Now. Any, like, war movie, really any war movie post, you know, Italian neorealist, like, that happens all the time. Because war is, like, one of the most devastating things. So, like, film history literally goes in cycles with war history mm. and depicting post-war social crises. I think a realism, the neorealism just kind of gave it a a guideline for how to, like, just talk about that, if that makes hmm. sense. I mean, one of, like, the biggest Hollywood movies that you could think of that is maybe greatly influenced by Italian neorealism would be like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) Stylistically. But actually, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it's very... Well, that opening scene is like very... It's it's as if it's shot by uh, someone who was like there shooting. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like it has like some fancy like effects and stuff on it, but like the way the camera moves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like all handheld. Yeah. And most of the extras were like local Irish and you know extras that had never been in a movie before besides the main characters see tom hanks like until after that scene really or like during that scene yeah you kind of see the lead up yeah he's not quite the focus yeah there's like because they're they're chilling in the boats not chilling but they're in the boats waiting to be deployed right so they show kind of all the actors or whatever yeah and then once the shit hits the fan, it's like the, the camera forgets about him and is like more about the battle itself. Mm-hmm. Spielberg and Lucas and, and Scorsese and all those guys were very influenced by Italian, Italian neorealism. But I think the French New Wave kind of took over and, you know, Antoinini and everybody kind of picked up all on that and around the same time. They didn't really even know of each other probably, but Scorsese and then they definitely picked up on like Antoinini and stuff. Um, but I feel that Spielberg, especially out of that group of like Coppola and everything are like heavily inspired by traditional Italian neorealism. Hmm. Um, hmm. uh, more so than maybe any other like big time director, you know, um, in Hollywood working today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at Schindler's list, it's very documentary feeling, um, you know, it f- centers on, um, working class except for schindler himself who's you know kind of middle class Mm -hmm. but yeah it's interesting to see this like the little facets of of italian neorealism in modern movies um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know for sure there's so much there's so much to italian (laughs) neorealism like so like i may have said this but just to be clear so italian so neorealism generally speaking is films that are set amongst the lower class, filmed on location, and generally use non-professional actors. Um, obviously, although this like isn't always the case, um, even Bicycle Thieves kind of fudge some of neorealism's full-on rules, I guess. Um, but so with that concept in mind, thinking about realist cinema and obviously documentaries, documentaries are the literal realism, but 
maybe mockumentaries and thinking about that. What do you guys think, like, what is neorealism like today? So we have Ballast as sort of like the counterpart to Bicycle Thieves in the sense of like the way it's shot is like mm-hmm. like a documentary, really. It's handheld. It's very unstable. The editing is... is Cinema I mean, from, verite kind yeah, of style. Yeah, from one point to the next, yeah. you don't know where it's necessarily going to cut to. Um, so what really is like... What's neorealism like today? Um, I think that there's a pretty big movement, or there was, I guess, um, in America, kind of the late um, first decade of the 2000s, um, like right around 2008, I'd say, when this movie was made. Um, But yeah, just focusing on lower economic classes, uh, marginalized people, trying to tell a story that focuses on the hardships of life, but mm-hmm. then also focusing on the fact that life goes on despite all of these hardships. Totally. I think it, it weighs out those two things pretty equally. And I feel like neorealism really lives outside of the U.S. too. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of neorealist cinema is coming out of like the Middle East right now because it's mm. so war-torn that there's these films yeah. that are like, you know, I know there's one that kind of fudges this a little bit. I can't remember what it was called, but it's like the one where the bomb like falls into the house. It's like a mom and her daughter. The bomb like falls into the house and it like unleashes ghosts or something. It was like a horror movie. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but I feel like just in general, neorealism is like Americans don't give a shit about that they always want to <laughs> escape from <clears throat> what they're dealing with and right. they never want to reflect on it whereas yeah. like other countries will reflect on that but you, you just gotta know the right directors yeah. man <laughs> I'll, I'll battle you on this one Keith because um, I think that some people do they just maybe don't know it but I, I think uh, like the comedies are really like the like neorealism comedies like um which I don't think they're traditionally called that, but I think Napoleon Dynamite is totally coming from neorealism. Like, it's it's social context, it's authentic, it's, like, shot in the weird city that they're in, whatever city that was. <laughs> in like Under the shadows. In, like, Idaho or <laughs> Utah. Uh, total rejection of, of acting styles, like, from Hollywood, and it's, like, kind of documentary-ish. You I'm know? sorry, can you repeat the film again? My bad. Uh, Napoleon. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Is it though? Because it's so fantasy. It's like Napoleon Dynamite to me is like, like fantasy almost like it, or it's too quirky to be neorealist. But I think it like came from neorealism. Don't you think? I I think, I think you can (laughs) apply like parts of neorealism to it, but I don't think those directors or director had anything. I I, I feel, I feel Napoleon Dynamite is a child of, like Sundance kind of type of um, like do it your own. I worked at a home video yeah. store. I'm going to make right. my own movie and it's quirky and it's Wes Anderson and it's Tarantino and mm-hmm. it's Kevin Smith right. and it's my own thing that I, cause I watch MTV all in one. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like um, I, I, I feel there are elements of neorealism that you can, you can definitely put on Napoleon Dynamite in films like that for sure. But sure. I don't think it's coming from that like, that place within the director's oh, like heart, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I, I, I feel like Belast and and films of that nature, like Blue Caprice and stuff, where 
you know, they want to focus on these very specific, um, like style. Yeah. Style. But, but even, even the style is without style, if that makes any sense. Cause there, there is no like style in neorealism. Um, besides the, this like episodic nature of, uh, of it and this working class, you know, uh, it's for me, neo, I could be wrong. For me, neorealism is more focused on um, th- th- the themes uh, and and working class or poor uh, themes, and and the director is purely focused on that. So he has no other choice just to like follow them in a sense, and he's not thinking right. about oh the sun is sitting here, and you know what I mean. Like he stylistically there he's not thinking anything which is in a way it's his own style it's like style without style if that makes any sense um yeah it's like trying to that's, recreate that's so real like, quick recording in case anyone camera. listening is wondering the, about the film i was talking about it's called under the shadow um persian language horror film written directed by iranian born babak and vari um and it's basically this bomb kind of like falls on this house and brings with it like an evil spirit. Hmm. Um, but I think what Byron's sort of hitting on here is that I think to me, neorealism is like blue is the warmest color or call me by your name. Like these films or um, Manchester by the sea, these films that are like oh. heavily, these really heavily dramatic films that are trying to portray real life social situations like drama films are kind of what are trying right. to be the neo-realists right now but um, like friday the ice cube yes movie, so that's, like that's neo-realism and it's a comedy i am list that, i'm <laughs> did you look at this list as well or i just looked up american neo-realist films and basically friday was on there bye felicia um, <laughs> Um, so basically just real quick Body and Soul, Thieves Highway Salt of the Earth, Dusty and Sweets McGee, Killer of Sheep American Me Friday um, Man Push Cart, The Visitor Mm -hmm. Frozen River, Ballast uh, not not, not The Visit not not the Shyamalan film this is a yeah uh, Ballast, Wendy and Lucy, Winter's Bone, Meek's Cutoff, and Nebraska are what this article considers neorealist. It's so weird because yeah. Nebraska doesn't feel like a neorealistic film. It, it totally doesn't film. to me at all. Yeah. It's because more, it's a period it's piece. I think the two directors that like resonate with me the most about being a like American neorealism is Kelly Reichardt, who did Wendy and Lucy, Meek's Cutoff, and then certain women that yeah. came out like last mm-hmm. year or two years ago, maybe. Um, and then Raman Barani. Oh yeah, um, he did Chop Shop and um, Man Push Cart. Ninety Nine Homes and um, Goodbye Solo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but then at any but price. then he, <laughs> he he also did the new like Fahrenheit four fifty one yeah. movie too. Oh, the HBO I've been wanted. I've been wanted <laughs> no, to see the one that. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, HBO. that's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a HBO like uh, original movie. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because like, so another example that might be more contemporary for listeners too is like, like this is not a film I would consider neo realist, but 
but we can kind of talk about it is like ladybird like it's trying to portray this sort of real life nature but it's like there's something about it that feels constructed right i think that's an important point is that like neorealism really is attempting to like not feel constructed in the situations that it that it what, talks about what makes you feel like ladybird is in that canon because of the way the plot plays out is very like tradi- i don't think it's neorealist i think it's i think it's like a film tr- uh, attempting to fictional like it's more like realism in the sense that it's like trying to create a reality in fiction. Hmm. Does yeah, that make I, sense? I think yeah, no, it makes sense. I think I think what I think this is what's so interesting about neorealism is that it's now ingrained so much into everyday movies now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I think it was Andre. Bazin, the famous film critic that that said that neorealism is is it's 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 based on fact so th- there's fact related to it now i don't know if there's anything factual about ladybird but facts or <laughs> but fact or truth i think like fact or truth can be kind of simultaneous and i think what right. ladybird was striving for was that truth that that yeah that adolescent yeah. Yeah. women you know that that truth of that mm-hmm. and yeah. that is something that's very neo-realist yeah, so in that yeah. sense like, I completely agree with you um, it but I don't think it is a neo-realist yeah, but it wouldn't it's not enough to classify it under yeah. that film um, right. or Friday and these other films are are more are more so because they're the focus is right. it, it, the, the way it's made also mirrors what they're what they're going for but even Friday uses real act like not real right. but like known actors right Right. Yeah. But I think you can use known actors if they're like in non traditional roles. Or yeah. Like I that. mean, because in Wendy and Lucy, it's Michelle Williams, and she's a known actor, but yeah. she plays a very ordinary character. Yeah. And then yeah. Meek's cutoff is very interesting. And that, that's a, that's actually, I hadn't thought of that until you guys had mentioned Kelly Riker. Because uh, Meek's cutoff to me, when I look back on it, is very neo realist. And, and it's, it, you know, it takes its time, you know very wide shots it, mm-hmm. it actually reminds me more of like neorealism that was done in spain later mm-hmm. not in italy at the time just mm-hmm. for some reason and just the way it's shot but that's a little bit more style yeah. see to me and I, I sort of tease this to you guys a little bit too but to me like modern neorealism and maybe you guys completely disagree with this is like the revenant like that's a film that embodies a lot of the criteria of neorealism besides the non-actor part but like long takes to emphasize the reality of the situation you know keeping you ingrained in like i mean essentially i mean these guys were kind of lower class trying to make a living on the frontier type of thing um this is this is what i this is what i guess this i i'm I'm glad you brought that up because this is it made me my 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 thoughts more succinct the revenant to me is the perfect example of a film by a filmmaker that was so inspired by italian neorealism that that the that it's a style the revenant was shot in that style yeah. Even though the directors of those films that Alejandro Gonzalez and Uratu liked were doing it without style. Yeah. He's copying right. a style without a style. Like he's, I mean, he's definitely influencing it with his voice. Yeah. Right? So in a way, 
he's making an, an Italian neorealistic film stylistically, which is actually not the point of a of a, <laughs> I mean, of a, a video. Of style. Does yeah. that make sense? I think that's fair. Yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, like it is escapism still. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like oh they're on this like frontier. Yeah, people actually did that, but it's not about the 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 it's not about the survival of people in that area as much as it's about the survival of Leonardo DiCaprio specifically yeah right I think um, one thing that defines it for me is yeah like Jacob said it's uh one camp is escapism and then the other is focusing more on like real like personal struggles that people go through um yeah and I think that almost any movie that can go into the escapism camp maybe shouldn't be defined as neorealistic that makes sense to you guys i think yeah so, no yeah. definitely i think that's fair like i said i feel like you guys would probably disagree but in terms of like i mean modern neorealism is tough like i said like i feel like it doesn't really ring true with americans yeah i yeah. think it's so it's it's realism neorealism is such a huge reaction to post-war society that it's right. like I mean, unless America started to be war-torn, like, what the fuck do we know about I mean, war-torn yeah, society, but you know? but also 9-11 happened. <laughs> right, but that wasn't, like, your whole country, your whole city has been fucking leveled yeah. due to bombings, right? Like, I mean, let's take Libya, for example, you know, like, films that are in reaction to the wars happening in Libya would be more neorealist. Obviously not always, but I'm sure there's more neorealist films coming right. out of that area then i mean because americans we live so like comfortably yeah like yeah. how are we supposed yeah. to i mean we can empathize th- with it but we don't know directly like right. what any of that is right i think that's why it has to focus on like lower economic or marginalized right. communities right. yeah but that's well, like, why to me like revenant is like okay but like if you're trying to emulate neorealism as from this perspective that that is like one of the closest things to that i guess but you could look at like black panther like that kind of has some neorealism in it like in how in like where michael b jordan's character comes from Hmm. you know because he's this it like it totally gives you the social context yeah it's like a big hollywood uh superhero movie that is definitely escapism but what they bring to the Michael B. Jordan side, and I think that's why it resonated with so many people, is something that is based in like an actual problem that Americans face, uh, or Black Americans face, which is a uh, loss of culture and and how they kind of handle that. Like that, like some of them, like you know, they don't even have last names, you, you know, and that's something they talk about in the movie. And uh, come to think of it, the how they shoot the like the LA scenes is very neorealism because they like show the whole area. It's it's like the ghetto and it's um and then all that is found and the whole movie is founded foundation is in this social context that needs to change. Yeah, and the the answer at the end of the movie is is there is no answer. It just this is how it is. I, yeah, like if you were to look at Black Panther and think of it as like a human body, I think neorealism would be like tendons you know connecting you know you know uh muscle and you know to make that body work more efficiently um what do you mean by that like i i he you know uh 
Kugler, Kugin. What's his name? Kugler. Kugler. Um, yeah, like I think he's he's definitely a deft filmmaker. You know, he's he's yeah. he's he's he knows his shit, and I I feel that he's probably seen italian neorealism and he knew what to draw from to get certain responses from yes the the yeah. mass audience um that probably hasn't seen any italian neorealist uh films um obviously i know you're not saying that black panther is a italian neorealist film but, no it's um, it's definitely a hollywood superhero right it's, <laughs> yeah. such, a, it's, it's such a it's such a, a machine um, it is that, but there's there's a social context to that to that film yeah that isn't in other marvel films right yeah and i think definitely. that's why so many people loved it yeah and yeah. i think if there's anything um i feel that neorealism is should um only in theme become more prevalent in american yeah. films now because of yeah. what we're going through um after 2008 ironically um with the the job market and everything um but stylistically no it'll never be like what it was because as a filmmaker you can get um equipment and make your films look super professional for right. way less money than what they were making films that didn't look professional at all right. um so stylistically no i mean yeah i think hardcore I, fans I, that saw the last and were like i want to make a movie like that can still make a movie like that using equipment oh, yeah. that is actually far superior than what they could do and that's why you get you know um uh codes or whatever to put grain and shit on your films um instead of doing it the old way but mm-hmm. right yeah so well, i have a counter okay. to to that and i just want to talk about it but children of men would you say that movie is like visually draws from neorealism yeah, but it's not thinking of anything about neorealism. I, but it's not the I would, theme. I would disagree with both of you. I don't think it pulls from the the uh, like visuals of it. Why? Yeah. Just because I feel like just because something is like long takes and shaky handheld cameras. Um, but like, it, like it's not just that. It's like it after the scene ends. It like in, in like in the same way that happens with Bicycle Thieves, where like he's at the pawn shop and he's pawning his thing and then that guy shows up with like a what does he have like like, sheets or after the sheets there's like a random dude oh a binocular yeah puts binoculars on there to pawn but like in children of men there's like these scenes where they're the action happens and then the camera just kind of drifts away Hmm. into and like shows like the the struggle of all the people that are there yeah I guess in that sense, yeah, Yeah. I could see that. It's, like, not solely focused on the protagonist, but gives you glimpses into everybody else's everyday life. Right. Into, like, yeah, into, like, this great struggle. Mm. Except Children of Men is not, is more concerned about the overall as opposed to, like, like, that's where I would argue, like, like, again, The Revenant is, like, more about trying to get you to live in the second to second struggle like bicycle thieves is getting you to live in the second to second struggle of what they're doing whereas children right. of men is like one big thing to the next children it's not about the, more, right, the it, minute to minute children of men moments. is more like uh, An- antonioni <laughs> god damn it antonioni. <laughs> antonioni in the sense where the camera will steer away from maybe the main focus to, con- to have the viewer concentrate sure. on something else you know, like that famous shot in Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver, where, you know, Robert De Niro's on the phone and the camera mm-hmm. pans down the hallway and it just sits there. That's that's a ripoff from Antonioni. Um, 
and ch- children of men does that you know the sure. camera steers away and that you know, th- that's something you'd never see in a De Sica film or a, um even a romare or anything like that but right um but it, hmm. at the same time antonioni does that because in italian neorealist films right uh space and um city is such a big thing mm-hmm. um but it's done in a completely different stylistic way you know because the, the filmmaker of of the bicycle thieves isn't thinking i need to have the camera to move this way so that the audience is going to understand rome right. you know he's not thinking about right. that um right. whereas antonioni is he's like i want the filmmaker to realize that the middle class and rome are one in the same and we're all stuck in this together you know type of thing um mm-hmm. So there's like a reason behind it, um, mm-hmm. which makes it automatically stylized. Whereas you know, Desika, not so much. Right. I don't know. So it's, I'd lo- I'd love to like pose this question to you guys too. So Nate brought up this concept of post realism and and versus like neo realism. So where does God. where does found footage fall for you guys? Can found footage be considered neo realist? Because it's attempting it just, to be as real as possible. I think it just depends on the movie. I think that's something that we've kind of like. I've realized now that we've talked about it is it's really like it depends on what the content is. Yeah. So like the found footage, like a horror film, probably not. But like, but if why there's not? A found footage film that was about the like some struggling if it was, person. Yeah. If it was like a found footage of a home movie of like. Uh, somebody who lost his job and but let's talk about like press and shit okay but like in terms of like okay so thematically right it might be a little bit tougher but a film like Blair Witch where they Mm. were like or I mean like half of it is pretty much real could that live in neorealism no because it's it's not about the it's there's no like so there's no like pushing for like social um change yeah you know i don't that's like a huge part of this is like hey look at this struggle Mm -hmm. and we need to do something about this yeah i feel like it's a lot more about the content and themes that it's like making commentary on instead of the the formal aspects of it but you could see like i think you could look at blair witch and say like this movie came from neorealism you know or like the idea of neorealism because it's trying to to be real you, you know what i mean it's like in the same, taking it yeah. even further you know than than neorealism in a in a way in the same way as the revenant does so it's those yeah so those exactly. would be more like post-realist in the sense of like because post generally refers to like what's like postmodernism was like a direct response to modernism and how can we alter the the structure of modernist storytelling yeah, right? right so would that be more of like a like post-realist Maybe. I think it's I think it's neo 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 realism <laughs> neo neo realism yeah try okay. neo <laughs> try neo realism yeah I like that try neo coin that's that's matrix sounding yeah <laughs> I mean I think yeah, that's fair neo. I think I agree with you guys I think it's important just to point out like you know like that right right yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and kind of draw a distinction because fucking neo realism is hard to talk about like I mean, to to yeah, yeah it is. What about like Clerks? You know, that's a closer film, right? 
that's a good question too but it's again it's the themes that you're dealing with are not like necessarily the economic i mean to a degree right it's all people they're kind of there but it's not the focus right that's the the same with napoleon dynamite yeah that's that's themes with uh like poor people and it is encouraging social change right too Hmm. yeah because in clerks they're not encouraging any social change no it's just just about everyday poor people in their gas station or whatever (laughs) but it definitely like thing it's more of a comedy comes from this thing it's kind of like friday more like friday yeah friday in that sense yeah i think i think you're right no friday the movie just call me a goob yes of course <laughs> i've never been called a goob before i've definitely <laughs> really? called you a goob as and yeah. on the podcast yeah oh, i'm really? pretty sure um, i'm pretty sure uh, this yeah. is a thing <laughs> can this not be a thing <laughs> it's interesting i think what it comes down to is that it's you're very rarely going to set out to make a neo-realist film in today's day and age unless you're like like I said, in war torn, wherever, I. But I think. Oh, yeah. I think that the influences will never go away. You know, like because we were talking about like Wendy and Lucy and Kelly Reichardt and stuff. Like, you know, the influences and maybe the closest conception to neo realism and specifically American neo realism probably lives with these people. Yeah, because you it, it needs that there needs to be like a government problem. You know, there needs to be like, like it can't just be like a bum on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what it about, has to. It has to be like. Has to be about like a larger system. Yeah, like the whole system is broken, and here's good people. Who here's people who should be in the middle class. You know, who are not. Mm-hmm. You know, here's people who like want to work. They want to feed their families. They have families. You know, and they they want to be successful, but the system won't let them. What about Moonlight? I'd say I haven't seen that, so you guys will have to weigh in. I think that I don't. I don't think so. Be, I think that the content does, uh, just because it yeah focuses on like a gay person of color, um, and yeah, it's it's really about like the struggle of that upbringing and having to like keep a facade on. Yeah. Um, but I feel like at the same time that film has a definite ending. And stylistically, yeah. it's like right. really beautiful, but also instead of ordinary. Yeah. Also, it's um, it, it's it's not like a town. It's not like the focus isn't on like the town. You know, like it's focused yeah. on the. I mean, the, the, the one guy and like some of his other friends like make it somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, he decides to be like a super successful drug dealer. You, you know what I mean? The location is definitely a character within the film, just yeah. like you know rome and stuff but it's yeah it's we don't get a glimpse really into other people's lives so much besides besides mahershala ali's character a little bit and the fire guy yeah yeah um but yeah i was just curious yeah (laughs) but that one's definitely like closer than probably closer than a lot of the other films that we've mentioned on the podcast where we're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out which ones are which ones aren't yeah i feel like anything hollywood like just isn't is no right right, right. (laughs) yeah Yeah. have you guys seen um killer of sheep no Mm -mm. oh you you gotta check that out it's a beautiful beautiful (laughs) movie yeah what about james bond 
Yeah. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Just the one. I've seen all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so Killing of Sheep, in case anyone's interested, is a drama that depicts the culture of urban African Americans in Los Angeles's Watts District. Cool. So if Charles you're interested Burnett. in that. So is that one kind of neorealism, you would say? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm. It, yeah, heavily pulls from that. Um, yeah. I think another thing is, like, one thing that I look forward to when watching neoreal, real, neorealism films is, like, the pacing. I feel like it's very specific kind yeah. of pacing, just really slow and methodical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes a long time to get between plot points. There's definitely, like, a tone yeah. to both of these that are very similar mm -hmm. yeah um, very much like i loved how uh in ballast ballast i think it's ballast shit um <laughs> i know i, I say ballast too uh i like how in ballastist uh there was like no score like behind it it was all just mm -hmm. like this home video feel like behind it yeah versus bicycle thieves had like that really really awesome score behind it mm-hmm but it still like had the same feeling for some reason to me. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even it's sort of a modern day take on bicycle thieves in the sense that I mean, he pulls a he he steals a fucking motorcycle at yeah. one point and and rides away. He gets away with the motorcycle as opposed to bicycle thieves, but I feel like there are some calls to that. Some calls know. to Dogme 95 as well. Yeah, for sure. I think Dogma is like one of the closest, like, for, you know, similar forms of, of storytelling to to neorealism, for sure. Right. It's almost like more, like, dog, Dogma is almost like more authentic. Yeah. You know, because it's like trying to, it's like this specific style that forces you to, to be authentic. Yeah. While neorealism, I think you could maybe. You could definitely like bend the like behind the scenes. You can, you know, change things up. Like the, for instance, in the sound, the soundtrack or the sorry, the music mix. Fuck, that sound. The sound design that of Ballast, Ballast. Fuck me, dude. I'm totally <laughs> Ballast. Ballast. The sound design of Ballast is uh, to definitely just totally faked. You know, yeah. Like you totally. can tell, it's like. It's that is like a hyper real part of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where dogma is isn't the sound like isn't that a rule in in those? It has yeah. to be in camera. Yeah, it has to be like in camera sound, and that is, I mean, but then it's hard to say like what's more authentic because that actual sound they might just be recording like actual sound there, yeah. and then they they balance it out so so it works, mm -hmm. but. And so Dogma might not actually be the best way to, to Dog, capture yeah. the authentic sound. Dog, you know what I mean? Dogma is more raw, and some people kind of mistake raw and and and, and authentic and authentic, yeah. um, which isn't necessarily the case, right? Yeah, um, because emotionally, what's yeah. what's what's authentic? You know, yeah. it you can get closer to authenticity by by you know changing it um, in post. You know, <laughs> yeah. Add some palm trees. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. But yeah, definitely like that sound mix. Like you can tell that it's produced, mm -hmm. and it sounds great, and it works for the movie. Um. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like the emotion of of the sound mix is really like what 
makes it uh, more neorealism than something like Blair Witch, where it's all coming from the camera. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and I think, just sort of to kind of wrap it all up, too, I think neorealism is one of those really, it's, it's super odd, because we've talked about, I mean, I don't even know if you call it a, it's not really a genre so much as a, a movement. We've talked about other other film movements, but besides, like, um, Soviet montage, like, neorealism is, like, the next big thing that really, like, shook up cinema to the, you know, to the point that it's, like we said, it's so ingrained in everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, even trying to trying to emulate real, you know, neorealism in films is, is huge. You know, like even in, like you said, in Black Panther, where they're trying to emulate, like, you know, society, that that portion of society or whatever, right? Right. Uh, so in terms of, like, I mean, watch it for sure. I mean, if you're a filmmaker listening to this, you should probably watch Bicycle Thieves anyway. Um, oh, 100%. Just to get the, mm-hmm. the history of it. Um, and then whatever other neorealist, the Italian neorealist you want to watch. Right. Um can, can I ask one more question? Sure. If you don't know the social context of a neorealism film, can it be neorealism? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you would gather the social context by watching the movie. But, like, may, what if, like, this Italian movie or whatever, like... Oh, how do how do I come up with an example of this? Because like I feel like mm-hmm. knowing that it's Italy, World War Two. Like if you don't know that going in, or post World War Two, then you might it might be lot like it requires, well, a a real struggle. You, you know what I mean? I don't I think, think I think you can watch, uh, Bicycle Thieves without knowing that it's post-war Italy and still get a sense of the neo-realistic yeah. aspects. Right. I think just knowing about the social context gives you a deeper awareness of what the filmmaker was trying to say. Right. And then also lets you appreciate the film more. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, I think even if you don't know the social context, you're still either through the movie... You either get it through the movie, or it's not going to be really relevant to what you're watching. Because, like I said, like I think if you were to watch Bicycle Thieves in a vacuum, they don't explicitly state that it's post-war Italy, right? Right. But you still get the sense of the location and the economic status and the importance of... I mean, the whole story revolves around a bicycle, you know? And that's something that everyone can relate to, whether yeah. it's a bicycle or a pocket watch or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, in, yeah. in that, that I think if you're in Crimea or you know Africa or whatever, is it, going to be relatable. I mean, even re- if you're not familiar with like right. The actual, right? Like replace bike with phone, and you have a modern neorealist film. Right. Do exactly bicycle thieves, but replace the bike with the phone. And I mean, mm-hmm. you don't need a context to understand that you know i mean you would see through the film that the person might be struggling their life is on the phone they need these things to you know survive and get work or whatever a lot of those themes and ideas are directly transferable and relatable to modern day living i think 
Right. So I don't I don't think the context is necessary, but like Nate said, it's it's good to know it just so that you can better understand what's going on right. and the importance of why this movie's even considered important anyway. You know. Mm-hmm. It's the context that makes this movie important because I think if this movie was just generally released, I don't think it would matter. But I think the fact it, the timing of the movie is what's critical, right? Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. and really, that's that's the foundation of my question. Because if if say like a Tiananmen Square movie came out in China, you know about like how people felt after that, and it was like this underground thing like that would obviously like resonate with them but you could make a movie about that and not and have it be more like commercial you know i think there's more to it than the than the than the set like the the event that that caused the movie to be made you know what i'm saying like yeah like Like you could could, there's a bunch of ways to make that movie right Mm -hmm. right but if you made it in a neo-realism way and showed it to to someone who had lived on a mountain their entire life. But even how, the way you had to say you know that I mean? was, was like, if you made it in a neo-realism way... Which, that, that's, implies, the, that's the opposite of yeah. what a neo-realism... No, but, like, yeah. but, but that but implies that the event square, is... That, like, shook people, you know? That, like, changed, like, uh, their, like, the trust of the government... But you I know, think the way you so the hidden. way you said that though implies that the neo realism, and I we are we are talking about it after the fact, but it implies that there are neo realist criteria that can be applied to the event, not the event causing the neo realist cinema to happen. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, say so, so. You're looking. Does is it required to be backwards like that? <laughs> The fucking ghost. <laughs> I think I don't know if it's required, but I think neo realism is more of an organic. Go to your bed. Um, Upstairs. Is more organic. Yeah. Than that. Yeah. Like. No, I I, I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. It, um, you can make you can attempt okay. to make a neo realist movie, but I think it has to come from a point that's not like I'm attempting to do this. It's like right. I have to do this. Right. Because it's fucking making my heart explode. Yeah, no, I, you know? I think, and I think that's why there hasn't been any lately. Yeah, that have gotten there. You know, I feel like there's probably some independent films that I'm totally unaware of that are coming from like Detroit. You know, yeah. right now that that are more shot and deal with themes. Yeah, like neo realism. Um, that that have that but you know we're not seeing them yeah. or hearing about them yeah. it's got to um, come from a place of of emotion yeah i think mm-hmm. to really come out sure. of that um all right so because we're pushing time here we should do a round table um and figure out which film reigns supreme amongst all of us here um and i already have some ideas on this so it'll be interesting um should we let's start do with Nate last? Just do Nate last. So let's start yeah. with uh, let's start with Jacob. Then yeah. let's do. I mean, Nate. if Byron wants to be honest, he can be honest. But if you don't <laughs> you, want to, then... be neo realistic about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we should because we have we to. Should. Yeah, yeah. So Byron didn't we because of the the last minute 
I don't know, scheduling of this and everyone kind of being on different wavelengths. Byron didn't watch the films, which is no. fine. Um, but you still had a, I mean, still brought it to the table, so that's fine. Still brought it. Um, so it'll be Jacob, me, and Nate. Uh, so we'll just start with... B-Rain. <laughs> I've, um, I've watched part portions of... Goddamn. I've watched portions of both movies, um, but I haven't seen the full thing of either one i i have a feeling of what i i have a feeling of which one i know i'd probably like best um i could say that later but i don't have to be part of the round table <laughs> that's cool you can still guess that okay, answers cool. it for uh, me okay, i'll guess yeah <laughs> all right so let's start with jacob and pick for him um i'm gonna say bicycle thieves just because it's historically important and i think it had a little for you i think it just had a little more going on but i think Bal, you know, Ballas had that editing, that fucking like, you know, I don't know what even what you call it, the documentary editing. I guess it's even it's still less, it's still more kinetic and frenetic than documentary editing. So I don't know what you call it, but I think you like the editing. But I think just Bicycle Thieves is historically important. I uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that Jacob liked. Um, probably ballast more um just because i think it's more interesting stylistically in terms of sound design um and editing as well um yeah i think that there's just some more like personal flair and also this i think that the story is probably more intriguing to follow um yeah cool but yeah I think those are those are my reasons. Shit, no, this is tough. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna ha- I wouldn't have to go with um, bicycle thieves just because uh, you don't know how to say balustrade. <laughs> Ballast. Fair enough. Blast. That's a fair criticism. <laughs> Blast. But Blast. I, I, did, I just had to rub that in. All right, what is it? Oh, um, it is bicycle thieves. Oh. <laughs> 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 Get out of here, Nate. Um, and, uh, really, I think this, it's kind of a cheat for me because (laughs) when (laughs) Tiffany and I were in Phoenix, this almost exact thing happened to us. Oh, (laughs) shit. And we found her bike and we called the police and they didn't help us. So it, um... It, it resonated on a deeper level <laughs> than oh, it shit. Probably, probably should have. Awesome. Um, but but yeah, I really lo- I honestly the the nuanced performances were great and the um, and the uh, just how like straightforward the story is. Uh, yeah. Because it's you know it's so simple. Like he's just trying to find his bike, and and what you get out of that are these great scenes, like them in the diner. Mm-hmm. When the uh, kid is turning around and looking at the looking at the those bougie family. ass people, yeah, those yeah. fucking bourgeois bitches <laughs> eating a mozzarella sandwich. <laughs> you have I to f- make I millions think... to eat like that. Yeah. Mo- mozzarella. That's us Americans, right? We're like That's mozzarella so fucking sandwich. Hilarious. I picture Jacob as a little boy. <laughs> yeah, the the little asshole or the good one, the little Probably. the main little the boy. main one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's totally me. <laughs> Put it down, yeah. Um, but yeah, some great scenes. And I love, like, kind of an odd scene, but I kind of loved it, where, like, he thinks his kid died, and he starts, like, panicking, you know? 
and it like gives you a sense of like that there is he does still care about his kid but uh even despite his great struggle but he because in that whole movie he's like it seems like he doesn't even care about his kid at all you know because he's <laughs> yeah it's just like bossing but he around. like yeah bossing around he doesn't yeah. notice when he trips he like does all that stuff but then the second he like starts to die he's like or he thinks he's dead <laughs> then he's like oh my gosh i've really lost everything which is what triggered yeah. the restaurant scene but yeah i just i love those those two scenes glued together um and i like that he tried to steal a bike in the end that was awesome um did you like ballast i did like ballast a lot actually um, nice. and really to to nate's nate's reasons why um, yeah it's definitely an editor's movie it's um de- i like the blues in it and i like how everything was like exposed to the outside yeah you know yep. like especially in the beginning uh yep. there's like these scenes where it's like he's just like sitting there and you're like in the house and it's so dark in a house and i just love when the exposure is like set to something non-traditional like that yeah. i just think that's cool yeah they definitely did not use any like traditional lighting like no. almost at all yeah um, cool all right uh i'll go next so we can leave nate for last i'll go first uh, um, yeah, I, I i think ballast think so yeah uh just because it's it's more like um like from what i can tell it's more like i don't know in your face you know it's more like um it's more of a punch yeah 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 Hmm. it's louder Yeah. yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with blast (laughs) Blastoise. <laughs> Blastoise. <laughs> I choose you. I choose Blastoise. Uh, because, um, yeah, I think, like, the just the kind of rawness of it, really. And, um, like, the rawness look of it. And um, the acting was very, like, there's, like, some pretty great performances from, from Blast. It's like a blast of the past, you know what I mean? So I'm going with the blast. It's like a blasty blast to your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they blast. It's like a blast to the face. Really. <laughs> All from non-actors, too. Not non-actors, but lesser known uh, actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, know? like, I think the kid and the, the dad in Bicycle Thieves do great, but it's nuanced, Yeah, you know? But uh, Ballist is, like, not new. It's the opposite of nuanced. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. For sure. Uh, I would also have to choose Ballast for you. Um, pretty much for the same reasons. I think it's just more like gritty and um, not as like manicured as Bicycle Thieves was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that the story is it like deals with some more heavy issues than Bicycle Thieves does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I gotta want to say bicycle thieves so bad. Because <laughs> uh, it's black and white. <laughs> yeah, pretty and, much. And it's like a famous movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Ballast edged it out just by a tiny bit. I mean, they're both pretty neck and neck, but like Ballast, I don't know. I couldn't care enough about the issues in Bicycle Thieves. Like, it wasn't until the end that I was like genuinely frustrated 
because just of all the shit that's happening, like this guy can't catch a break. And like, I've had stuff <laughs> right. stolen from me. Like I've had my car broken into multiple times. And I just like <laughs> that feeling of like hating the person who just stole your shit, like to such a degree, you know, like I yeah. get that. I get that feeling. So I feel for that. But the beginning of it, I just had a hard time caring. Um, Ballast is all right. But it's just like the story was like, how do you how do you spend 45 minutes with this like drug dealer plot and then literally don't do anything with it? Sorry to spoil this. No, no, no. I already knew that. Yeah, yeah. But literally nothing. Like your whole movie, you're like, okay, when's this guy going to come around and kill this kid? Because, you know, it's like this kid fucking shot at him like he's not going to do. And then literally it doesn't happen. Like literally the writer Lance Hammer was just like. I don't know what to do, so we're going to forget about them. And I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, well, that's bad writing, but all right, you you do you, I guess. Um, it, well, it is bad writing. You don't spend 45 minutes of a movie on one plot line just to not do anything with it. That's, that's pretty... It's actually kind of an Antonioni thing to do. You know, which is interesting, which isn't, you know, maybe that's realist. what he was going for. Maybe yeah, it was a ripoff. I that's know, like, but. but that's like why I like ballast is because they, they did that because like what, cause, <laughs> cause it, in real life, like you wouldn't go like, like wrapping up the drug dealer story. That's such like a Hollywood thing to do. Yeah, but that's they built up to that though. Like your expectations are set for that to happen. I don't know for if you'd like, like a. I don't know if you'd like Law Aventura. <laughs> Maybe if I'm expecting Probably it, not. I don't know. The way they play it out in this movie is that it's going to become a big deal, and then he literally forgets about it, and then the movie just ends. Like it actually just just ends. Like there's no there's no like climactic moment. There's like a there's like a nice like connection moment at the end and then it just ends. So like it was like just kind of weird. Huh? Are you talking about like the bullets in the Yeah, the water? whole the whole the whole then, point of the ending is that like he he throws the bullets He throws them in the stream. He throws them away so that the guy won't kill himself and then they all yeah. kind of get closer because yeah. of all the shit that's happening and then it kind of ends, which I kind of like how but it like my problem is just like you spend so much time with these drug dealers and become such a huge problem for this kid, and then it literally just like oh they they do like a drive by punch in the face <laughs> is what it is, and then that's it they that they're gone like I don't know that to me was weird but it did edge out bicycle thieves by a tiny oh, bit nice. so so it so didn't it didn't blast you away but it was pretty good yeah exactly no no blasty blasts for that one <laughs> um, all right let's do Nate. And we'll wrap this up. Uh, bicycle thieves, man, you're that's your shit. That's your jam. You said Italian and neorealism is like your your main shtick. So, bicycle thieves. Plus, I follow you on Letterboxd and I see like all the movies you watch. And it, <laughs> Ballast yeah, is like great. the last thing I would ever expect you to watch, honestly. So, bicycle thieves, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know this. Uh, yeah, you go. <laughs> this is tough. I mean, I really don't know Nate's like interests as much. Um, Picture a lot of Bergman. See, and I love. I haven't watched too many Ber- too much Bergman. I've Bergman. seen some Bergman and I've seen some Tarkovsky. You like Tarkovsky? Yeah, I love Tarkovsky. Okay, yeah. oh yes. sweet. <laughs> I'm um, influencing your choice right now. <laughs> yeah, a, a man, a, uh, a man from my own heart or whatever. The phrase is. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. um, <laughs> Connected souls. What? Do you, what about? Uh, have you seen Ant? Tony Oni? 
Oh yeah, okay. La Noche is like okay. one okay. of my favorites. Okay, okay. God yeah. damn it. Um, <laughs> damn it. Now, now influence of my school teachers. I'm gonna still say uh, ballast. I, I think there's a reason why we were talking about it that that film always kind of popped back up. Um, I think maybe bicycle thieves is some maybe one that you would revisit more but ballast maybe is one that you can look at and be like i can do i can bring what this guy brought to my own films um because everybody brings in what desika did you know what i mean um to some level because it's such a it's such a you know it's one of the top 10 favorites of yeah you know uh, Mm -hmm. of all films so i feel that maybe ballast is one that you can relate to more personally all right, Jacob. Guess. Yeah, this this is really tough because I know you well enough. I think, um, and I I know that you're really into like, like hip hop and 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 th- like types of music that have come from places like, uh, like the places of uh, ballast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, but then I also know you're a huge film studies nerd and love this nerd this old timey uh it's a foreign film yeah, shit this, hey you watch that foreign film from the 40s <laughs> it's about a bicycle uh, um what? said the guy whose plots have <laughs> consistently been fucking asians the whole time <laughs> the past like uh, five plots for jacob have all been asians <laughs> Yeah, they have all been Asian. That fun. anime really got to them. <laughs> it did, yeah. I, I didn't win that episode, so now that's all of them now. Um, oh, I have it. Nice. But anyways, uh, so this is this is tough, because this is like, for me, this is like picking between two sides of Nate, y- you know? And uh, I think it really depends on uh, how you're feeling today. So I'm just going to go with Blast. All right. All right. Cool. What do you think? What is it, Nate? Uh, so I think that while I may appreciate Bicycle Thieves a lot more, yeah. and it's um, no way. just how monumental yeah. of a film it is, <laughs> no I, way. I think that I personally like Ballast more. Wow. <laughs> I'm legitimately <laughs> no, blown think, away. Blast. I'm oh, legitimately yeah. blown <laughs> away right now. Yeah. Um, I think that some of the main reasons... I like ballast more is I think it's a lot more subtle in the sorts of um, like social commentary it's trying to make. Um, Yeah. Like their decision to homeschool James just because the public schooling system is so shit that he would be better off like reading from a book. Um, That's just in like one line Um, or the, the lack of resources for people who are like depressed and suicidal or like addicted to drugs. I feel like all of those things are like very, I think that ballast makes really good commentary on all of those things, uh, but not too overtly where I feel like bicycle thieves is really uh, in your face about like, Hey, police suck. And Hey, we don't care about church. And (laughs) We're poor and need jobs. The government sucks. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I do appreciate how bicycle, like how monumental it was, like I said, but mm-hmm. I think um, when it comes to the the way the plot unfolds, I'd like Ballast more. Also, nice. uh, 
the whole like drug dealer thing, Keith. I really like that part about it. How it doesn't pick back up. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, I feel like that makes me feel like the people in this movie exist outside of the movie, and you don't know exactly when these drug dealers are going to like get back at them, and it just like creates this sense of real life um, threat. The struggle you know? like continues. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. And I wonder if on a rewatch, if that would come out more like that would be more easier to swallow yeah um really we got there we finally got there glad we glad maybe we you could just do blast that. it down your throat <laughs> yeah. um so right before i wrap it up here i have the usc's essential film list um, which i mentioned like last episode um and it's interesting because there are at least two fellini films and at least two de Sica films on here um eight and a half and bicycle thief obviously and then la strada mm-hmm. i don't know if either of you guys have seen la strada Strada's okay no. um and then um umberto d is the other one from uh Sica. So, and what is this? This is so when you get into the UFC, UFC, oh. USC film school, they give you a list of essential films and then uh, highly recommended films. Oh, I see. Um, basically, and so the essential list is has uh, four Italians. Well, probably more. I can't really tell by the names, but at least the four that we've kind of been mentioning um, are a part of it. But it's a nifty little list. It's a, the essential list is pretty small. The recommended list is quite long. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you want to be in the same echelon as USC film students, then watch these films. <laughs> um, trying to think, Apocalypse Now is on here, which we covered. So, uh, who? What was that one? Uh, that was made by uh, Gus Van. Trier von Trier von Sant, whatever the fuck love, your stupid name is. Because I can never remember. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but all right. Lars von Gus van Sant. There you go. <laughs> I think it was Lars Gun van Gus van Trier or something. But it was like. Uh, you can't even remember. Winding I thought it was uh, uh, Scorbergola. Scorbergola. I choose you. Uh, <laughs> all right then uh, there's also two bergman films on here seventh seal and wild strawberries tarkovsky so. better be on there um in fact i don't know if he's on this essential one no love just the mere <laughs> roberto rosalini how <laughs> dude sergey eisenstein's on here but it's october 10 days that shook the world not a yeah, I'm not seeing any Tarkovsky on here. He might he's probably on the recommended one though. Yeah. What um, about Antonioni? I don't I didn't see Probably not. Jesus. I didn't see Aguirre Wrath of Gods on here. <laughs> oh, well that's cool that um, No, there. Francois Truffaut. Truffaut, man, I don't I ha I'm not a big Truffaut fan. I don't know. I we think... should do a Truffaut episode. <laughs> oh no, they're right here. Red Desert. Oh yes, Red, Red Desert. Desert. I love Red Desert. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Red Desert. I still need to see that one. Redemption. Uh, all right, 
So, if you have any questions or opinions, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page, comment on or discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes. If you like the show, please rate it uh, wherever you listen, but especially on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at jcfolds24 for Jacob, Hyperion Creator for me and Nate. What's your, if you care or want to share it, what's your Letterboxd name? Um it is one second <laughs> pulling it up <laughs> um <laughs> i think <laughs> oh god i'm not connected to the internet here so um, i think it's maybe nate underscore high i don't know though could be i can else. find it don't worry so look it up. <laughs> nate's high smoke yes <laughs> <laughs> um it is. It just says Nate Sato. Uh, oh yeah, it's probably. It's, is it literally just? It's not just your name, right? Oh, it is. I think. It, oh, no? Nate. Hi. Oh yeah, Nate underscore high. H I. Okay, so Nate underscore high. Not the green one. So if you want to follow Nate and check out what movies he's watching, it's Nate underscore high. Next week we'll be talking Hereditary and De Palma. So the Dude, De Palma is I'm the so documentary. For hereditary. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. Same. De Palma is a documentary, right? Um, yeah. About Brian De Palma, and we'll be talking about who the company AT eight twenty four is. Uh, so before we end, Nate, is there anything else you want to plug, t- um, mention, say? Um, if you live in Seattle, you should totally come and check out Northwest Film Forum. Um, it's an independent nonprofit theater nice um in capitol hill they have some really good screenings of just like movies that um are rare to come by independent films local films foreign films um yeah it's and it's also just like a really good resource for filmmakers too uh yeah fantastic um anything on any social media you want people to follow you on or anything else uh no you could you could just find me if you can <laughs> cool check out letterbox <laughs> yeah. letterbox is the only relevant one anyway um do you want to give your address out or yeah <laughs> phone number uh so yeah so my, uh, credit card <laughs> <laughs> so yeah next week is hereditary and De palma um and a24 so uh watch make sure you watch those films to be a part of the discussion thanks for listening it was a pleasure to have nate on absolutely thank, thank you. you for yeah. being here and thank you for choosing this this was a good topic yeah i think cool oh yeah solid i'm movies. still i'm Glad. still gonna watch the movies probably tonight <laughs> i'm definitely watching uh ballast tonight hey which good. one did, do you think you like more i'm curious uh ballast yeah, I, yeah I think that, I, I, that would have been my For the guess. same reasons that Nate is, I feel that Nate and I might have a lot of similarities because we watch a lot of foreign, older films. So, mm-hmm. I and I don't know. I love, like, uh, The Wire, and it feels like there's a little bit of The Wire in there, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. looking forward I still to watch The Wire. Yeah, me too, man. You want a movie mar- or show me? Yeah, yeah. No, let's do a movie marathon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's just find movies uh, that start with W. IR and just watch all those. Mm, yeah, okay. Wired. It's a magazine, but I bet it's a movie. I feel like there's not very many movies that. <laughs> probably a short list. Worm. Haywire hey, hey is a Soderbergh film. Oh, Soderbergh. <laughs> um, Worked. That could be. That's a movie. <laughs> what else? What else we got? <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening. World. <laughs> That's WH. Right. Cool. Kill it. Yeah.